0: It was a seething feverish mass, stamping and surging towards every blatant voice, which cried the false message to it, rousing it to anger, and again misleading, until it often rose to rend its saviors instead of those who had duped it so shamelessly. All the tragic procession filed past, and he gave them peace and knowledge. By and by they grew to a long thin stream, feverish and agitated, seemingly all converging towards a point pain, And anxiety in every quick movement, and suffering in every gesture. He looked with still more and more compassion upon them, with a greater love in his breast, but it did not calm them as before, and at last, in desperation, he stretched out his hands in appealing pity for them, his whole being aglow with the desire to help and pity and love, and he found that the scene changed. He was on the moor, and there was the discomfort of cold in his limbs, but yes, he was looking at the pit and there was a long stream of men, women and children, principally women and children, running frantically across the moor towards the pit, and he could hear the faint sound of their voices, which clearly betokened suffering, anxiety and alarm. Something had happened. He must have been looking at that procession for a long time, he realized, and pulling himself together, he bounded to his feet, and was off in a long striding race through the moor towards the pit, his heart telling him that something had happened which was out of the ordinary kind of accident that regularly happened at a coal mine. He bounded along, knowing as he went that there was something more of sorrow for his mother in this, whatever it was. He felt so, but could not account for the feeling, and as this thought grew in intensity in his mind, he changed his course a bit, and made for home, to ascertain what had really happened. It was something big, he felt, But whatever it was, his mother must again be called upon to suffer, and his alarm grew with his pace, until he arrived breathless at the house. One look at her face, and he knew his instincts had told him the truth. She was white and strained, though tearless, but her eyes were full of an awful suffering. What has happened, mother? he demanded, as if he could hardly wait for her to answer. The moss has broken in, and twenty three men are lost. Jamie and Andra are among them. They geed OOT themselves this morning, telling me they could work fine, even though you were ina there. Oh, Rob! What will I do? Oh, dear! Oh, dear! My bonny laddies, and with a sob in her voice she turned away, and Robert was again out of the house, and running through the moor to the pit, as hard as desperation could drive him. His two brothers were down there, and they must be got out. Even as he ran he wondered what strange freak of fate it was that had kept him out there on the moor all night, and so saved him from this terrible fate. He could understand how his brothers would feel at the chance of working one day by themselves. He had always been their guide and protector. They had gone into the pit with him when they left school, and had just continued working with him since— learning their trade from his greater experience and trusting always to his better judgment when there was danger to avoid. They would go out that day with the intention of working like slaves to produce an extra turn of coal. Even though it were but one extra hutch, they would fill it, and slave all day with never a rest, so that they could have the satisfaction of seeing approval in his eyes, when they told him at night how many they had turned out, and how well things had gone generally with them in his absence. He reached the pit to find that the moss was already rising in the shaft, and that there was no possibility of getting down to try and save these twenty-three men and boys who were imprisoned in the darkness beneath. He came across Tam Donaldson, who was the last to get up. Tell me a boot it, Tam, he said. Is there no chance of getting down? Do you think any of them will be safe so far? And a whole lot of other anxious questions were rattled off, while Tam, dripping wet from having to wade and fight the last fifty fathoms toward the pit-bottom, through the silent, sinister, creeping moss that filled the roadways and tunnels, stood to give him an account of what had taken place. They were a-sitting at their peace, Robba but James and Andra. They were keen to get as muckle work done as possible, and they had some coal to get to fill oot a hutch, when at yince we heard Andra crying on us to rin. Had they a ran dune the bray we'd a hay been safe, for we could hay gotten to the bottom afore the moss, but some ran into the inside heading, and hadn't a time to realize that their outlet was cut off, and there they are, for the moss was coming dune the full height of the road when I ran back to try and cry on them to come back. So I had to rin for two, and just got OOT by the skin o' my teeth. I can't find it what happened? he went on, as Robert stood, the tears in his eyes, as he realized how hopeless the position was of ever being able to restore these men and boys again to their homes. There was anger in Tam's voice as he spoke. It's a to get cheap coal, and they ought to hay known, for they were tellt, that to open OOT that seem into long well-workings so near the surface— and why sick a rotten roof, was evident disaster, why as muckle rain as we hay had lately. They are a lot o' murderers that's what they are. But what the hell do they care, S.A.E. lang as they get cheap coal? Robert turned away sick at heart. It was certainly a foolish thing, he had thought at the time, for the management to change their method of working the coal, for even though the seam had grown thinner— he felt that it could have still been worked at a profit under the old system. He knew also that the men were all upset at the time by this change, but the management had assured them that there was no danger, and that it would mean more money for the men, as they would be enabled to produce more coal. This certainly had happened for a week or two, but the rates were soon broken, because they were making too high wages, and the men found, as usual, that their increased output had merely meant increased work for them, and increased profits for the owners. Was there nothing to be done? Robert wondered, as he paced restlessly back and forth, his mind busy, as the mind of every man present, and anxious to make any sacrifice, to take any risk, if by so doing they might save those imprisoned in the mine. Even while his mind was working, he could not help listening to the talk of those around him. There were strange opinions expressed, and wild plans of rescue were suggested and discussed and disputed. Everyone condemned the coal company for what had happened, but over all there were the white-faced women and the silent children, the muffled sobs, the tears, and the agony of silent wood eyes that spoke more pain than all the tragedies that had ever been written. Robert could not help listening to one man a big, raw, loosely built fellow— who stood in the midst of a group of women laying off his idea of a rescue. I'm raw glad to be out of it, he said, for Jean's sake, and the bairns. but for that I'd gang doon again and try and get them oot if there was ony chance o doing it. Who is Jean? One woman interposed to inquire about his wife, who had been ill a long time. Oh, she's getting on fine, no, oh, and the doctor has a hopeful word o her, he answered. In fact, I was just feeding the birds the last time he was in, and asked him who she was doing. This man, Duggled Macintosh, had one got his canaries. He read all he could get to read about them, and studied the best conditions under which to rear them, sacrificed everything he could to breed better birds, and this was always a topic for him to discourse upon. I was just busy feeding them when he came in, and after he had examined her, I asked him who she was gettin' on. Fine, he said. G I E her plenty o' oh, sweet milk, noo, and fresh eggs, and she'll soon be on her feet again. Fresh eggs, mind you, and me canna get e'en for my canaries. I thought it was a G U I D e'en. Robert turned away, but there was working in his mind an idea, and he ran round to the colliery office to the manager who was nearly mad with grief and anxiety at what had happened. Come in, Sinclair, he said simply. Can you suggest anything to help us? Whatever is done, it can only be done quickly, for the moss is rising rapidly in the shaft, and even though some of the men are safe in the upper workings, it is only a question of a very short time till the moss will rise and suffocate them, or until the black damp does so. If you have any idea that can help, out with it, and let us make a trial, for the inactivity is killing me. I have been thinking, Mr. Anderson, replied Robert, that we might go down the old air shaft over in the moss there, and run along the top level, which is not far from the surface, and try and blast it through on the heading into which the moss broke.